All right, Daniel chapter 12, verses 1, through th- 1, 2, and 3. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for, for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Remember two things. Remember that Daniel is told about his people, so we're speaking of Israel, and his city, which is Jerusalem. That, of course, within the last two chapters, of, and, and actually throughout the whole book, but just in the vision that we're looking at, the last vision here given to Daniel. At that time, thy people, that's Israel, shall be delivered, and everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Shall we pray? Our Father, we ask for the anointing and blessing of your Holy Spirit, for indeed we want, Lord God, to be right as we study your word. We want to rightly divide your word this evening, and we want to be encouraged, Lord God, that as we look at these last verses of this great prophetic book, that it will remind us and keep us ever mindful, Lord, of our need to continue to shine as lights to this world in the love of Christ and to be the salt of the earth as the great influence that you want us to be to those who are in need of salvation. We thank you, Lord God, for that great salvation that you have given us through your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Israel. And we are blessed, Lord God, to serve you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we focused primarily on the first verse last week. The first four verses, actually, of of this chapter wrap up the vision that the angel of chapter 10 started interpreting in chapter 11, verse 2. So you can look back at that. You know, that's uh, the last part of the vision itself. But the focus has been on Antichrist's last three and a half years of his reign of terror. And, of course, we know that hasn't yet happened, so it's, it's still yet to come. But it's focusing on the last three and a half years of his reign of terror. Now remember, there's seven years that is called the tribulation period. And the last three and a half years in the scriptures are called the great tribulation period. In fact, let's look at what Jesus says first so that we can nail down completely the very understanding that the last three and a half years is indeed the great tribulation period. In Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22... Jesus, on, on the, um, in the uh, Olivet Discourse, there on the Mount of Olives, when he's telling his disciples these things about what's yet to happen, he says, For then shall be great tribulation. Notice the emphasis on great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, ever, no nor ever shall be. Now remember, those are very similar to the words that we just read in verse 1. That there's a time coming that, it, that, that, that there has never been a time like it. Now, there have been some horrible times in history as far as, the, you know, the, the conflicts between men are concerned. And then especially when, when we deal with the issues of, of the wars that have been fought over, over religious issues, you know, especially uh, the Jews and the Christians and, the, you know, the, the Muslims and, and, you know, on down through the ages. So... We, we, then, of course, we get into modern times and we think about, and we've talked about this time and time again, but the, the great conflict that was called World War II, but at the very center of that conflict was a person who was a forerunner of Antichrist who wanted to exterminate the Jewish people, called the Holocaust, and might have nearly succeeded except for the hand of God. So, listen, that was as much a religious war, when you think about it, as anything. But even that cannot compare to what is yet to come in the Great Tribulation period. 
So Jesus says, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time known or ever shall be. And we know that Jesus doesn't lie. So that, that's telling us about uh, a lot about this great tribulation. And then he says, and I know that I shared this last week, but it says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, these days shall be shortened. In other words, if, if these days weren't shortened, man, everybody would just perish. But except for the elect's sake, for the ones that, for the remnant of people that belong to God, those days are shortened. But then consider Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. For it says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? So there is this picture then of uh, this image of, of these people in white robes there in heaven. And whence came they? In other words, where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, it is Michael the archangel. And by the way, I have to, I have to say this because someone asked me this question this past weekend uh, because they had heard this uh, actually coming from a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, but, uh, you know, he, he, he knew that, uh, that the, um, uh, the doctrine of, of the Jehovah's Witnesses is that Jesus is actually Michael the archangel. Uh, no, there's a Michael the archangel, and then there's Jesus. All right, that's very clear in Scripture, but you have to twist Scripture so much to get this idea. But, but the, the question is, well, you know, is Michael the archangel Jesus? No, he's not, and Jesus isn't Michael the archangel. So get that out of your heads if you've been questioning about it. But it's Michael the archangel that actually is called to help out the sons of Israel, the children of Israel watching over and protecting Daniel's people, the Jews, but especially those who truly trust in the Lord. Now that is significant, because I said last time when we were talking about the writing, you know, the names in the book, and the blotting out of names, and the writing in of names into the book, we talked about Israel as as being a nation that is going to be saved by God, but of course salvation is also an individual thing. So there will be those who have not received or accepted Christ, that are Jewish people that, you know, have to perish because then again, you know, you understand how the scriptures teach us, you know, that, uh, that there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus himself. Uh, but then as a nation, the remnant is going to be saved. So with that in mind, the prophecies given then through the angels end with a beacon of hope. So the, the prophecy that is given to Daniel is a prophecy that comes with hope. And aren't we glad for that? Because if we don't, you know, if, if we listen to what Jesus said, you know, if, 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 uh, you know, if, if, if they continue on with, with this kind of, of uh, tribulation uh, to the end, I mean, nobody's going to be saved. So there is hope. We have to remember that. So... The, the apocalypse, if we just call it the apocalypse, you know, the revealing of all of this terrible stuff that's going to happen in the, in the, in the last seven years of, 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 of man's existence, as it were. If the, we call it the, the, the apocalypse, that's going to fade. That is going to fade, and deliverance is going to shine bright and strong. So apocalypse will get dark, and deliverance will shine bright. So the darkness that we've been talking about is going to fade away, and deliverance is going to come as bright as the sun. So all sin, now listen to this, all sin and wickedness and evil will be erased from the face of the earth, and then Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom on earth. So don't get the idea that we are the ones that are going to clean up the earth. Because that's, that, that, that is a thought of some people today, you know, that, uh, you know, that don't believe as we believe about Israel being the focal point of, of prophecy and and, uh, you know, the last days have not yet really happened yet. I mean, you know, at least the seven-year period of tribulation. No, but there are those people who say, no, God called us here. We're supposed to clean up the earth. We'll make it right for the Lord. Then the Lord can come. That makes no sense, period, because we're not strong enough and wise enough to deal with the issues that are going on in the world today and say that we can overcome them. Because the Bible is very clear that in the last days... A lot of believers 
a lot of uh, Jewish uh, believers as well, as well as Jewish people, are going to suffer persecution, martyrdom, tribulation to the very end. So where do we come off saying we're going to save the planet? We can't even save ourselves sometimes. I mean, you know, from all kinds of messes that we get ourselves into. How are we going to save the planet? So the Lord is going to come and set up His kingdom, but He's His hand, see, this is the thing, His hand is what is guiding everything that's going on. I want you to consider in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, that Paul says, And then shall that wicked be revealed. And, and I, actually, I just want you to see what the end result of the wicked is going to be. Who, who is the wicked? That's the Antichrist. That's the beast. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So you see how darkness is going to be eradicated, and deliverance will come with the brightness of the glory of Jesus Christ. So that, this is something that we need to be thankful for. You see, the enemy, who is the devil, is not going to succeed in his final attempt to exterminate the Jewish people. Because I've referenced this many times, that that is going to be continually what he is trying to do. Again, you go back to Romans chapter 12, where it talks about the woman being Israel, who's going to give birth, who's going to give birth to the Messiah, a child, and it's the dragon. You know, these are all pictures, but nonetheless, uh, they're, they're, they're speaking of what is, what is the reality. The reality is that the enemy is waiting to destroy the Messiah. Couldn't do it at the cross. But now he wants to eradicate the Jewish people again. Thinking that that's going to be, you know, his legacy in whatever way, shape or form he's thinking about that. But he's not going to be able to do it because a remnant is going to survive. And it is Michael who is going to see to that remnant surviving. Remember now that it says, And at that time thy people, Daniel's people, the Jews, shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. So these are the godly Jews, the godly Jews, the believing remnant of the time of the end, saved out of that time of trouble. And therefore, what Paul said, all Israel shall be saved, when he says that in, in Romans chapter 11, all Israel will be saved because Israel will be the remnant of the true believers who have seen Jesus come and say, he is the one that we pierced. And they'll recognize their Messiah, finally. Okay, so all of this, of course, then brings us to the next portion of our text. You guys thought I was going to be in chapter 12, verse 1 again, just for a little bit. All right, so verses 2 and 3, it says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament or the heavens, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, while there are a number of commentators and, and, and Bible uh, 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 students that believe that verse 2, if we go back to verse 2 for just a moment, that in verse 2 uh, the reference... Uh, to uh, Israel resurrecting. This is what they, they, they teach, is that uh, verse 2 refers to the resurrection of Israel as a nation. In other words, it's not really talking about resurrection from the standpoint of if you die, you're going to resurrect again. But no, it's, it's, it's trying to keep it very nationalistic and say, well, it's, this is really talking about Israel resurrecting as a nation. And they will cite pl- things like Isaiah 26. We're not going to go there, but you can look this up later. Isaiah 26... Or you can look up Ezekiel 37, which most of us really know already. Ezekiel 37 as the, the, the dry bones that, uh, that rise up and, and uh, become Israel. And by the way, I think I've mentioned this before, but the dry bones of Ezekiel 37 rising up to become a nation rose up out of the ashes of the Holocaust. And that is why there is an Israel today. But the clearest meaning of the passage... The clearest meaning of the passage in verse 2 refers to the general resurrection of the body. Some to everlasting life, 
and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That word contempt here at the end of verse uh, 2 is a Hebrew word that literally means a thrusting away. Everlasting contempt. The person who has has shamed God and, 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 and disbelieved God and, and disobeyed God and rejected God and Christ will be thrust away because of their contempt to God. And certainly the New Testament pours greater light on this issue, teaching two resurrections, one for the saved and the other for the condemned. Consider, if you will, these passages. These are important because they, they tie into what Jesus teaches us uh, and, and what we see the apostles teach us as well. We already read that. And then look at John 5, verses 28 and 29. Again, these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. He says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice. Now, look at the emphasis on all. All. The hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of life of damnation. Now let me let me let me clarify something here so you'll understand what good is. In and of ourselves we don't do good. But we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And when Jesus talks and I think we're getting close to that in our study of John on, on Sunday morning. When Jesus talks about the works that matter he says that our works, or if, if, if you can uh, specify it even more distinctly, our work is to believe in the only begotten Son of God. Our work is to believe in the Lord. What we do now, because we believe, comes out of our love and and, and gratefulness to what God has done through Jesus Christ for us. That we seek to do, you know, we, we're, ne- we're never to be weary in doing good because our lives have been changed by the one who alone is good. And the Bible tells us that God alone is good, that Jesus alone is good. And so, you know, we, we have been covered with His goodness and we've been called by the Spirit of God to do those good things. I mean, read, the, read in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And out of all of that, you know, there, there's, this, there's this need to be good. You know, this, we're not being good for salvation. We're not being good to please God. We can't please God. Only Jesus can please God. And what, what pleased Him more was what Jesus did on our behalf by going to the cross, dying for our sins, and shedding His blood for our forgiveness, and rising again from the dead. So with that in mind... Uh, understand this verse in that uh, in that context, and then notice in verse. Uh, did I only give you? Where am I? Okay, marvel not in a, Okay, there we go. And the, so we understand that now. Okay, now let's go on to what Paul says in First Corinthians 15, verse 20. You guys must think that I must have drank a whole pot of coffee before I came out here. I'm so I didn't. I, I wish I had, but I didn't. First Corinthians 15, verses 20 and 21. Paul says, well, actually, 20 through 24. Paul says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Now listen to the whole understanding here, the whole context of what he's saying. Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. You know, we cannot rise from the dead unless Jesus goes first and rises from the dead. So he's the firstfruits of, of those who will rise from the dead. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ. Christ has been called in Scripture the second Adam. So understand what what Paul means in that previous verse. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
but every man in his own order. Now here, there's an order here. Now consider the order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Then he says, then cometh the end. So there's an order here. There's a resurrection. Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule uh, and all authority and power. So there was a resurrection. Then he sets up his kingdom. So now, understand that order. Because in First Thessalonians 4, where we go next... Paul says this, and most of you are familiar with this. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. This is not the same trump running for president. I just want you to know that. You got it? Okay, he's not the same one. He blows his own horn. This is God's trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's order here. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That's a resurrection. And then we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together, snatched away with them. This is a very significant thing. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Why comfort one another with these words? Because you see... The tribulation period is not for us. We are going through times of trial. and You know, the church is certainly going through all kinds of tribulation and persecution today, but it's not the tribulation. The church has been persecuted for 2,000 years. And these things have to happen so that God can go on and finish dealing with Israel for seven years. Seven years. Which He has to do. But in that time as well, the seven-year period is going to be used to bring judgment to the unbeliever and judgment to those who, would, who refuse to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're talking about order here. Go to Revelation chapter 20. So we've just seen a couple of references to a resurrection before something. First Christ, then us. The believer. But notice in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. And I saw thrones. And this is John giving us his revelation. uh, The revelation of Jesus. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, or sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. Listen. There are people being beheaded today for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's already happening. This is why we need to be serious about the days in which we live. Serious about the things that are yet to come. Because there, this is happening. Folks, this isn't happening with a, with, a, with a guillotine in France. Like a lot of people used to think that, you know, the Ten Nation Confederacy from Europe wherever that came from. Well, you know, I can see how it came. They hadn't seen the whole picture yet. And that's something also to understand about what we'll see at the end of this book, is that the more we get to the time of of the coming of Jesus Christ, the more things are going to be revealed to us. So, you know, we kept thinking, well, they're going to bring out the guillotine again. And, you know, no, you know, you know who's beheading people? We know who's beheading people. I don't even have to tell you. When we recognize who it is, there should be some people recognizing it themselves. So, it says, And I saw the heads of uh, the souls, I'm sorry, of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So they're speaking then of the believer, but then notice this, But the rest of the dead... The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection.
Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. So, on such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So go back for just a minute to verse 5. The rest of the, uh, of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. It's not, re- it's not responding to that or, uh, or referring to this first part of that verse, but what we had just read. Because in verse 6, then it picks up again, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. The ones who, who would resurrect after the thousand years are not blessed. Okay, understand that. So the reference goes back to the ones who were resurrected before the thousand years. That's why it says, On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. The reference again to the thousand years is there is that millennial reign of Christ. Then comes this other resurrection. So in a very general sense then, those who do not turn to the Lord, who die without Christ, are not a part of the first resurrection, but will take part in the second resurrection, which only has one part, which occurs at the end of the millennial kingdom. Now, we go on to the next verse. Go to verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and, and, you know, if you read on there, you know, it goes on to tell us, you know, it goes, and he goes around all after the, you know, after the millennial reign, he goes to the earth for a little time, deceiving as he always did. But notice in verse 10, I just want to kind of go over that real quick. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. But notice in verse 11, and I saw a great white throne. Now we talked about this in our study of Revelation. The great white throne is the judgment that comes upon those who resurrect in the second resurrection, that are resurrected after the thousand year reign of Christ. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. So we see the seriousness then of, of believing in Jesus Christ and having been given every opportunity How many people have been given so many opportunities to come to Christ? And there were times when we ourselves fought it. We fought it ourselves. We we, we fought people telling us about Jesus. I I don't need Jesus. I'll get it. I've got time to do it. You know, we could could come up with all kinds of, of excuses. But now with what we see in the world happening today, we have no excuse. The truth is very clear. So looking now at, the, at, at verse 3 of our text, going back to Daniel 12, verse 3, we learn in Revelation 7 that many people will be saved after the rapture of the church when 144,000 Jewish evangelists will reap an enormous harvest among the people of the nations. The wise men of Daniel 11:33, by the way turning many to righteousness in spite of the wickedness of the age and the wrath of the beast. There will be many who will come to the Lord during the time of the tribulation period. And their reward, by the way, is going to be great. I'm I'm speaking of the ones that, that preach, the ones that proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those on the earth during the time of the tribulation. They will reap a great reward. It says they will shine brightly, it tells us there in our text. It says that they, in verse 3, it says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. What a, what a blessing that is. What a reward that is. And the fact of the matter is, many of them will give their lives in doing that. Not just in some deserted jungle or desert. Even on the streets of, of you know, what is called, you know, is seemingly a, a technically and, and uh, uh, societally advanced civilization. But it isn't. We see already. ISIS is using some of the, 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 the greatest... Uh, 
uh, technology to get their message out, but they still kill people with swords and behead them. The biggest supporter of, of, of terrorism today, the nation of Iran, is now been given the way to build their own nuclear devices. To do what? To destroy. And if possible, to destroy Israel. Right off the planet. So is that a modern civilization? Doesn't the Bible teach us that nothing has changed because of the heart of man? Nothing has changed. Man is wicked. Man in and of himself is evil. So the wise men of Daniel 11.33. Daniel 11.33. All you have to do is read. I'll read it to you. It says, And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, by spoil many days. But nonetheless, the wise men of Daniel 11, turning many to righteousness in spite of the wickedness of the age and the wrath of the beast, will be rewarded greatly. But remember this, and this is for all of us to understand. If you look at Proverbs 4, verse 18, it says, But the path of the just, the path of the just, the path of the righteous, the path of the one who has turned his life over to God and to Christ and and chooses to be obedient, chooses to walk every day in the light of the glory of God and of Christ, chooses to do the things that bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus, the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. More and more unto that day when Jesus Christ comes. See, let's let not our light go dim between now and the coming of Jesus. Just because we, we realize that, you know, things are really happening. I mean, sometimes it brings fear to our hearts. Sometimes we wonder about the things that happen. You know, we can't be silent, you know, about the things that happened in Las Cruces a couple of Sundays ago, a week and a, and a half ago. Churches are being targeted today. What do we have to fear? Our God is in control. Yes, we have to be vigilant, we have to be watchful, we need to be careful, but we do not have to be fearful. Our God is in, in charge. We have a great God, we have a great Savior, and His name is Jesus. We stand on Him. And so we serve Him and we, and, and, and we shine when we bring others to the knowledge of Christ. And we'll shine brighter as the perfect day approaches. So now we see the command given to Daniel. I've got to go on, okay? I've got to speak on that for a long time. But we see the command given to Daniel to seal up the book. Let's look at that, verse 4. You guys must think, we'll be here for three hours. No, just two, but anyway. Daniel 12, verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, it says, and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. You know, sometimes we take that last phrase out of context. And I'll explain it in a moment, but I just want you to know, look at the context of the whole verse. Shut up the words, I'll explain that in a moment, and seal the book even to the time of the end. In other words, we think it just means, well, put it under lock and key and put it away so nobody sees it. No, that's not what it means. But then notice it says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. It's interesting that the Apostle John, the writer of the book of Revelation, or the one who received the revelation from Jesus to, to give it to us, but the Apostle John was told not to seal up his visions, not to seal up the book of Revelation, because the time of their fulfillment was at hand. See, with the Apostles, and this is something we learned, and we learned going through the Gospels, is that Jesus tells his disciples, we're in the last days now. The last days began when Jesus came to this earth to a, to a certain extent. The apostles agreed with that. You know, they would tell us, listen, the end is at hand. They thought it could come at any moment. 
after the birth of the church, they thought he, Jesus could come at any moment. So their time of fulfillment was at hand. But Daniel was not being told to hide this, in, this information. He's not being told to hide it, as it were, cover it up. He is told to shut up the words, which means... Now, the shut up doesn't mean shut up like we know shut up, right? I don't, you know, that's, a, that's an ugly phrase anyway. Shut up. You know, that's not what it means. I just want you to know that. What it means is to preserve the words by writing them down and protecting them. You shut up the words by writing them down, preserving the words, and protecting them. Then to seal, to seal the book, speaks of the writer's stamp of authenticity. The seal was to say, this is authentic. This is true. I put my seal on it. I stand by my word that this is truth. And so the book or the written material now, was now complete, and it was time now to roll up the scroll and seal it with his stamp. That's what it means. So as for the phrases, shall run to and fro, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. As for these phrases, they have more to do, listen, they have more to do with the intensity the intensity of seeking knowledge or seeking after knowledge than they do about rapid transportation. Because a lot of times we take this out of context and we say, well, see, many will run to and fro. Well, you know, in the last days, things are going to be really fast and we're going to, instead of having chariots and horses, no, we're going to have, uh, you know, Chevys, not chariots, but Chevys. And, and I like Chevys. Uh, okay, Fords too. Hmm, you know, and Toyotas and all that, you know. How about the Yugo? Anybody drive a Yugo still? Nobody drives a Yugo. All right. Do you all know what a Yugo is? How many remember a Yugo? All right. It was the worst car, worst car ever made. One of the worst cars ever made. Yugo from Yugoslavia. Why, pobrecitos. Anyway, they couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't run, man. It was really, really sad. I don't know why I got into that. Oh, because, you know, everybody talks about, you know, now we go fast and now we have trains and planes and automobiles and all kinds of other stuff. Everything goes fast, right? But that's taking it out of context. Many will run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. As we're looking for the answers, we get more and more the closer we come to the time of the fulfillment. I've been stating, I've been stating this so often in our studies of Revelation and Daniel that back when we first got very interested in Bible prophecy, you know, when, when um, Hal Lindsey wrote the book The Late Great Planet Earth back in the early 70s, and that was one of the first books that I read as a believer that influenced my heart and my life about the coming of Jesus Christ. But most of the, the prophecy teachers of the time, you know, they, as we said, you know, they kept looking toward Rome, the uh, revived Roman Empire. And, and really, at the time, that's all we could do. But between then and now, so much has happened. I mean, there is a, just a, you know, it's, it's exponentially the, the knowledge has grown. We have so much more knowledge about what's going on because of things that have been happening in the Middle East. And, we, and we, we needed to keep our eyes on what was happening in Israel. Praise the Lord what happened in, 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 in May, of 1940, May 15, 1948, when they became a nation, because that was something that God had done. And then came the wars to destroy them, you know, from 56 to, you know, <clears throat> to 67, 73, and all kinds of intifadas after all of that. But, but still, there they are. And the nations that hated them and still hate them today, have tried to drive them into the sea, but can't do it. Why? Because God's hand is upon them. But now we started focusing on those nations because they are all mentioned in the Bible. All of them. We don't see Iran, we see Persia. We don't see Iraq, we see Babylon. 
We don't, we don't see, you know, the, the, you know, the Hellenistic kingdom. I mean, we, what we see, though, is Turkey and, and, and others, of course. And we're going to get into that when we get into the book of Ezekiel very shortly in, in our studies. So, as the... Well, okay. So, it's not about transportation, if some have suggested. Although we do travel a lot faster than those in Daniel's time, we could certainly say that the greater increase has been in the explosion of information in the modern age, especially about the times in which we live. Suffice it to say that the prophecies will be understood when needed. And folks, we need it now. We need that wisdom now. And we're understanding a lot more today than ever. So with that in mind, we've got to finish the book. Honestly, we're going to finish. Uh, and it won't take two hours, promise. Daniel 12, verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked... And behold, there stood other two, speaking of the angels that were with him there at the, uh, at the Tigris River. Remember, we'll talk about that in a moment. I, 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 Daniel, looked and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to, to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven. Interesting. And swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times and a half. What is that? Three and a half years. Remember, a time is a year. Times is two years and, and a half a time. So three and a half years. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. The great prophecy of the end times is now ready to be concluded. But before it is, the Lord wanted Daniel to know the length of the great tribulation that was coming upon the earth. This isn't the only time that he's told him. He's actually told him before. Daniel 9.27 made that pretty clear. So we're reminded here that the prophecy of chapters 10 through 12 were, were given to Daniel on the banks of the Tigris River. In the, in the, in the King James, it's, it mentions Hidekel. Hidekel is, is the Tigris River. And that's mentioned in Daniel 10, verse 4 and following. The, the two angels are present. At this point, these angels may be Gabriel and Michael, might, might be both of them. Although some believe that the angel that was over the water is Jesus himself, which is quite possible. One clothed in linen, uh, it also mentions that he actually is over the waters. He's on the waters or over the waters. So that's, that's a very uh, big possibility. I don't want to commit to that because, again, we're, we're not made that, you know, because it's not made clear, sometimes I think, you know, you know, when, when, when the Lord is made clear, like the Ancient of Days and, and other passages, that's pretty clear who it is. So here, you know, he was there with angels. These are probably the same angels. But Daniel saw this person in linen. Again, you could see someone that looked like a man. That's okay. Doesn't mean he was not an angel. So, you know, we've talked about that as well. Daniel saw this person in linen lift his hand, swearing a solemn oath that the time of the Great Tribulation would be controlled by God Himself. And the time would be brief. Three and a half years. Now, listen to this. Three and a half years, of course. We've called it 42 months before. But let's look at it as being a 1,260 days. 1,260 days. That's three and, three and a half years. 1,260. So 1,260 days. The events of this great tribulation would last until the holy people, which is Israel, are broken and nearly utterly defeated. That's we, that is what we see there in verse 7. In verse 7 it says, I heard that man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and, le- and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, time, and half a time, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter, it says, the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Well, listen, the picture of scattering the, the power of the holy people is when you scatter power, you have no power. Power is consolidated. 
So, you know, this is, this is part of the, the, uh, the uh, judgment against Israel. But the emphasis throughout this book has been on the nation of Israel and the only reason other nations are mentioned is because of their relationship to Israel. And while we know that the tribulation period is a time of punishment for the Gentile nations, for their treatment of the nation of Israel, it is also a time for purging, listen, a time for purging and a time for, uh, for sifting, sifting Israel and preparing the Jewish people for the return of their Messiah. In fact, I want you to consider these verses of Scripture. Consider Joel chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Excuse me. Joel chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Did I mention this last week that on September the 15th there is supposed to be a resolution in the United Nations uh, that is uh, made to... uh, establish a Palestinian state by, by splitting, as it were, by dividing the city of Jerusalem and dividing the land. You think God is happy about that? Not when I read the scriptures. He says, that's my land and nobody divides my land. Because when you do, you're in trouble. <laughs> so, just thought I'd let you know in a few more weeks and that's going to be presented. Look at uh, Amos chapter 9 verse 9. For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations. So there's the nations and the Lord is going to sift Israel through the nations. Isn't that interesting? Like a sieve. Like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say, the evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. Now, this is interesting. The prophets preached against those who would not believe the prophets. (laughs) They preached against those who were building their own prophets that said, we're going to be okay. You know, they were the prophets of, they were the prophets of uh, positive thinking. Everything was positive about them. We're all going to be okay. Everything's going to be great. Don't listen to these guys that are telling you that bad times are coming. Everything's going to be good. And God says, I hate those prophets. I want to deal with them. <clears throat> so within the Jewish people, they had their own people who were saying, we're not going to be overtaken. We're going to to survive. We're going to prosper. We're going to make it. We'll be abundant in our things. Uh, Nor shall we, nor nor prevent us. The evil shall not overtake, nor prevent us. Which which literally means to to come before us. Not going to come before us. Interesting, isn't it? Look at verse 11. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That when it gets right down to it, when it gets right down to it, God is going to have his way. The Lord is going to have his way. And even when his people will be sifted, yet he will still renew them. He will restore them. We, we, we could do a, a, a teaching based solely on all of the scriptures that deal with the restoration of the 
of the nation of Israel. And there are plenty of them. Plenty of them. But this is what it's talking about. Well, lastly, Daniel addresses the angel. More than likely, it's Gabriel. In verses 8 through 13, the last verses of our text. And I heard, but I understood not. And again, I want you to realize the humanness and the humanity of of Daniel. He's just like us. He was a man that God used greatly. And he was an old man. He he was used to a lot of of, of different uh, uh, nations. You know, there was the Babylonians and and then there was the Medo-Persians and and all, you know, there, there was just all this stuff going on. And he, he lived through it all. And he still just doesn't understand. So I, I, I feel better when Daniel doesn't understand something. Uh, I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, go thy way. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, <coughs> there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Whoa, that's a new number. Remember, I, I, I emphasized twelve hundred and sixty days? Now we have 1,290 days here mentioned. As he speaks of what? As he speaks of the abomination that maketh desolate, which is at the very middle of the seven-year period. The last three and a half years, which is 1,260 days. But he adds here, there shall be 1,290 days. Verse 12 says, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,390 five and thirty days <laughs> another number uh, a thousand three hundred and thirty five days that's forty five more days we're talking about seventy five days added to the days that we're already kind of like wondering about that's a lot of days but go thou thy way till the end be for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days Daniel, go your way, and soon you'll rest. In other words, soon you'll you'll rest from this life. And then you will stand where you will always have been called to stand at the end of days, which is before the Lord, as we should know. Daniel did what all of us would do in a difficult and doubtful time. He humbly asked God. He asked God for actually for necessary wisdom. And I, and I say it that way because sometimes I think we want wisdom, but we want wisdom for a lot of different things. We need to ask God for necessary wisdom. Wisdom that is important for this moment and for this time. The important thing to remember is this. Are you listening? The important thing to remember is this. He may not tell us everything we want to know. Because he didn't tell Daniel everything he wanted to know. He may not tell us what we want to know. But he has his reasons. I do want you to remember what is written in Deuteronomy 29, 29. Y'all know what that says? Well, let's look at it. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord. The Lord knows when to reveal everything that we need to have revealed for us. But those things that are revealed belong to us. And I can tell you this. Not only do the things that we see in the scriptures that deal with the way we are to live our lives as believers in Jesus Christ matter to us. But also the things that are yet to come that we can understand. And I think we have studied a lot of things in Revelation and in the book of Daniel. That there are things that we can understand today. Which, which should call, cause us to do all the more what the Bible says about how we are to live our life until the coming of Jesus Christ. 
See, so it's, we, we, we don't live two different lives as Christians. You know, we, we, whenever we want to do the right thing, we, we do it, and if we don't, it's okay. Or we get really interested in prophecy and say, well, I just want to get into prophecy. But my life's not all that good, you know. But I still like prophecy. Do you think God will like me for that? Listen, we need to live our life right before God. We need to do the right things only because He has given us His Spirit. And we should never take the Spirit of God that He's given us for granted. And we should never take the Word that He's given us for granted. We should always stand upon it, love it, desire it, desire more of it, want to get into it more. And, and, and that because we know the day of Christ approaches. So one thing that will certainly be true in these last days is that as trials come upon the earth, these trials will make the believer wiser and purer, while the wicked will only become more wicked. I'm going to do these fast, so here it goes. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. 12 through 15. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Let's remember that. As we live right before the Lord, we'll suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax, which means they shall grow worse and worse. So evil is going to get worse. And uh, worse, deceiving and being deceived. But, church, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now he's speaking directly to Timothy. And he says, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What does Paul tell him? He says, I'm more concerned about your faith in Christ Jesus and your salvation The other things that are going to happen, they're going to happen. So you get wise and you live your life uh, unto salvation through faith in Christ. And then if you'll turn to, well, well, let me me explain a couple of things with that. I almost forgot about those dates that were given to us. There's some question as to the importance of the two sets of dates or days mentioned in verses 11 and 12. The significance of the 1290 days and the 1,335 days is, is not quite clear yet. But we know that there are 1,260 days before the end of the tribulation period, which would take us 30 days beyond the return of Jesus. That the 1,290 days. And then the 1,335 days would take us 75 days beyond the tribulation's end. That's about a month and a, about two months and, and a few days, 15 days. They, they, they may refer, though, they may refer to the regathering of his people from the nations of the world. We can look at Ezekiel 20, and we'll do this quickly. Ezekiel 20, verses 34 to 38. And I will bring you out of the, of the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face. Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Now, some people say that the rod is, <clears throat> is the, um, you know, some kind of, of uh, uh, punishment or some kind of chastisement. Uh, usually a rod, of course, is used for that. But a rod was also used for the counting of the sheep that were supposed to belong to the person counting them. <laughs> so as, as you count the sheep, it would go under the rod, and then one, two, three, four, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and that brings them into the bond of the covenant. And then in verse 38, it says, And I will purge out from among you the rebels. And again, it, remember, you know, the, the picking of the spotless lambs. It was under the rod. If, they, if there was a bad uh, uh, lamb, they would pull it out. I think this was something that done between Jacob and Laban, by the way. So you'll remember that. <laughs> I will purge out the among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn. And they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So there's that purification process that could be taking place in those extra 30 days. The other addition of days may be for the judgment of nations... Because in Matthew 25, Jesus says, and and this, by the way, you can read a little further. I only took a little part of it because of time. But in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 34, uh, Jesus says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, 
and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then shall the king say unto them, On his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you and from the foundation of the world. Uh, When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. You know, when I was uh, thirsty, you gave me to drink. And when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me as you did unto the least of them, you did unto me. Uh, So you all remember that? But to the the goats, you know, what he said was, you didn't do those things to me. And and so uh, that's what this passage actually is all about, which takes time. So what may be added here, the 60 days or the 30 days and the 45 days extra has to do with really just the setting up of the, of the kingdom when he comes as far as the, the, uh, the ones coming into the kingdom and then the ones will be left out. So as the great book of Daniel closes then, the angel Gabriel gives God's dear prophet a great hope and an astonishing promise. As Daniel will go on and live his life faithfully to the end, he will rise from the dead and receive the wonderful inheritance that has been set aside for him by God himself. So folks, that is a glorious hope indeed. That is the hope that he has given to us. In fact, that hope is very similar to the words of Peter to the church. And I want to close with this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living or a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That is our hope. And the last time is right around the corner. We need to be ready because Jesus can come at any moment. He could come at any moment. I know some people say, He may be coming in September. As I said last time, just, just, come, be, just come after my birthday. You know, or Pastor Tom's birthday. But He may come. If He comes tonight, praise the Lord. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. If He comes tonight, it's possible. As that little boy said in that movie, it could happen. It could happen. But until it happens, will you live your life for Jesus Christ? Will you stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you stand on the love of Christ for you? And know that there is no other salvation that matters. No other salvation that will matter to us in the end. But the one that was given to us because Jesus came to this earth, took upon himself flesh and gave his life, taking our sins upon the cross, being nailed to a tree, being nailed to a cross, the curse, and our sins being placed upon him dying on our behalf, shedding his blood as the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, being buried just like our sins were buried. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death for us. That's the gospel. That's what he's done And that's what we can give thanks to God for. And that's why we are to live as light 
to the earth, or light to the world and salt to the earth. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for allowing us the opportunity to study such a wonderful, wonderful book of prophecy. A book, Lord, that brings those prophecies right to our time. And I pray, Father, that you will strengthen our understanding, though we may not know everything yet, we have certainly learned a lot about the players and all of this mad world that there, that there are. Ready, Lord God, to continue to stay wicked and grow even more wicked until the day that you come. How thankful we are, Lord God, for the salvation you have given to us through Jesus and how much we want to live for you, how much we want, Lord God, to give you fully our lives, our hearts, our hopes, everything. Lord, we lay them at your feet and we bow before you and we ask you, Lord God, just to continue to pour out your blessings upon us. We don't deserve even one of them, but you have been so grateful to give us every one, every one of those blessings with joy and with gladness. Thank you so much for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.